What's shaking, cats and kittens? Thank you for supporting my podcast and my sustaining partners. I want to tell you about one of them right now, Charmington Holistics. Do you know what an apothecary is? Well, an apothecary makes and provides medicines. Charmington Holistics specializes in all natural herbal remedies and is an apothecary. So, what's ailing you? Can't sleep? Got a stomach ache? Got the blues? Well, head on over to Charmington Holistics where you can find herbal support for anything you need. A personal blended tea, herbal tonic, and supplements can offer you an alternative to that Advil bottle while an in-house herbalist listens to your needs as well. Charmington Holistics is your source for all things herbal. Head on over to 425 South Conklin Street in Highland Town or visit Charmington Holistics on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok. And Charmington Holistics is open 12 to 5 on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Head on over, check them out, tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in His Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I am joined by lawyer, political strategist, media personality, author, Ufoma Algorin. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So there's a lot of titles there, a lot of slashes, a lot of like really big titles. I'm a lowly podcaster. Not lowly. Yeah. Depends on who you're asking. Um, so tell us about your background and your experience um, doing all that you do in Baltimore. Well, that's such a deep question. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm a multifaceted individual, so that's why there's a lot of slashes. But I came here at 16 um, for college, and that's when I started with my love affair of Baltimore. Um, being in Baltimore, I've gained multiple degrees, and I've seen like the community. I've lived in the community, so I have a really big passion for community service in Baltimore, um, public service, and internet, internet government. Um, you know, just policy work and hitting the ground running in Baltimore. Like, that's where, that's how I show up here. Um, that's what I've done here. You're going to ask me some questions, so just ask those. <laughs> <laughs> so Baltimore has its issues, like any other city, but at times it appears to be, like, more exaggerated, like, in a very hyperbole sort of way, right? Yeah. Um, I've heard rhetoric like, a city under siege and um, a city in crisis, and I see people casually walking their dogs yeah. and, you know, not running for the hills and all. And I see people buying artisanal ice cream and donuts. Uh, these things don't really connect for me. Like, how can it be both? So what are the biggest challenges, opportunities, and strengths from your vantage point do you see that, that, that Baltimore has? Well, you're right about that. Baltimore, I think it's just like any other city when it comes to it having the people eating ice cream and walking their dogs, but at the same time, it's like, what's going on? But I think it's because it's such a small city. It's smaller than a lot of the other big pollutant. Like, it's not a New York, you know what I'm saying? It's not a Chicago, but it's Baltimore. So right. I think the challenges Baltimore faces is mainly in infrastructure and policy. Like, we do not have good urban policy. Our policy is not community-oriented. It does not. It's not really from a, a constituent standpoint. So um, that's one of the biggest challenges I foresee because with policy, you know, that's the structure of the city. Yeah. Um, that's how you know who's going to jail, who's not going to jail, what are the homeless people getting, what are the opportunities for mothers and children, and how are the schools running? Like, all of this work comes into policy. I think that Baltimore has very, very, very poor um a very poor government infrastructure, not coming at any of the public officials in office today, yeah. but this is something that's been coming down the line for years and years and years. And I think that our problem is we don't know how to regenerate. Um, we don't know how to basically 
care enough, long enough for something to have a result. It's always a quick fix, a quick band-aid, mm-hmm. and I think that that's Baltimore's biggest challenge. We have everything that it takes. Like, our strengths are up there. We have great sectors in Baltimore. We have so many different things that we could pull off of and bring families into the city financially so we have great tax, um, you know, taxes and we have property value. We have so many different things that we can really have. People want to develop in Baltimore, but mm-hmm. Baltimore shows no promise to itself. And that's yeah. an issue. And yeah, I think that, you know, in going through this podcast and kind of the genesis of it, it was a conversation of like almost a challenge. Like, I don't think you can find 20 interesting people. And it's like, mm-hmm. I have found hundreds at this point yeah. and just people who give their viewpoint of the city and some of the strengths that are there. And they all are right there that you described. And I had this running bit, I want to say it was maybe two years ago, and he had this State of Baltimore kind of thing. It was a Ravens playoff game that I did not watch because I was busy watching that. And mm-hmm. and I just remember just it has this, this age component to it. It's kind of like people are saying the same thing that certain politicians are saying of we need to shut things down and we need to bring law and order. And when I started hearing that, it sounds like you want to get the black people out of there, and the city is over 60% black. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't work. <laughs> if we could go back to like we had mayors within the last 30 years when we had Baltimore, when Baltimore was Baltimore, when we had jobs here and the jobs were here because of the factories and because Baltimore's booming city. Um, it was black and it was running black and black yeah. people were running the city. The streets were clean. You know, I feel like what's being said today is because. It's essentially what the back black butterfly is, they've pushed people into certain in certain situations in the certain areas of the city and it does yield problems and it does regenerate and you know recycle into another generation of problems yeah. so i think that when they say that it's like this message of let's get the problem out of here yeah. but when you look at what the problem is it's not in the harbor and it's not it's in the outskirts and it's in what we call the black butterfly but yeah. it's these these pockets we have the baltimore oh we have the red line we have all of these different things that are going there that people are afraid to really touch on yeah. and, and really put out there. And I'll, I'll say this, where I, I feel like, what, six years ago? Mm-hmm. When, you know, Freddie Gray and all of that went down, a lot of people was very much like, it's a comedian, I like um, Han, um, Patrice O'Neill, and he was talking about, you know, whenever there's something bad that happens in like Haiti, he's like, I just feel like people are waiting, like, yeah, how can we get these people out of here? Just sitting there, just drooling. And it's kind of that same energy. Oh, the city's in disarray? Let's start developing. Let's plan out developments because I see cranes all the time in this city. Mm -hmm. I see cranes in my neighborhood all the time, but also I see the blue lights. So which one is taking precedence? Jesus Christ. Wow. That's a really that's a really tough one, because at this point in time, I think that one feeds into the other. If you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you said Freddie Gray, it reminded me, like, back in 2015, I was Miss Coppin State University at the time. Whoop, whoop. And, yeah, go Coppin. I'm a, I'm a Morgan person myself. Well, you know, goodbye. But, All right, no, Eagle. thank you. We're here together. We're, yeah, yeah. we're HBCUs, now here. You know? Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, see, we got to stick together. Yeah. But uh, Freddie Gray, um, I was at Coppin, and I remember at the same time, I had was started as an intern at the state's attorney's office, so I was working very closely with cops and things like that, um, or just— prosecutors. So at that point in time, I remember I got maced in the riots um, when I was just trying to, you know, help and talk to some reporters about kids missing the bus and just random stuff. And the way the police were so militant and I was like, yo, I work with y'all. Like, 
not with you with you but at the same time you know we i'm i'm a person that is going to be a lawyer in the future and yeah. i want to like do good work and you guys are just so it's like it's there's no um there was no there's no pretext there was no context they didn't really know how to how to identify with me just because I guess I'm a black girl on mm -hmm. the street in the middle of a problem. And for me, that said a lot. So when I look at the blue lights and I look at the 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 cranes, it's like, huh. Mm -hmm. Honestly, if we don't have the blue lights just shutting everybody down and making people who are property owners and making people that have stake in the city, people that actually want to stay here or have history here, if these people are starting to feel like, you know, I'm not even welcome in my own community mm -hmm. or the police are coming against me, they will leave. And the property value is just going lower and lower with all this crime so the developers can just swoop in and get the best. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hand in hand. I'll say during that time, I was definitely going to therapy for a completely unrelated thing. But I remember, well, it was stress-related, but I remember speaking to my therapist, who was like a tall white dude, and he was just like, yeah, man, we were just clicking on just being nerds and being into like uh, Japanese culture. But I just remember I told him, I was like, look, I turned the other way when I saw a police officer earlier today on my way here. And he was really like gobsmacked. He was like, wow. Oh. He's like, I can't share the experience. He's like, tell me more about it. He's like, that has to be hard that you changed your whole setup. He's trying to, you know, empathize and all of that stuff. And he's just like, it's terrible. He's like, and you're a big guy. He's like, so I can imagine it's even more amplified with all of this stuff happening around here. He's like, I wouldn't want to trade places with you. He's like, it, a lot of, it's hard. It's hard yeah. for you. And he's like, especially being here. He's like, you know, the city is what it is. And he's like, you still feel like you're an enemy of your own place sometimes. Yeah. And I was just like, well, at least you have some context there, sir. <laughs> and believe that, that that attitude permeates not just being on the street and walking down the street, but in office buildings. And like like you said, Baltimore, 60 percent black mm -hmm. and our leadership is black. But in certain offices, in certain arenas, like it's not all black. And when you walk in as a black person as well, like it is intimidating. It's that same, like I had to walk away from the cops. Like when I walk in, it's like they find you to be somebody that you're not. And yeah. it's like, I'm just me. But yeah. at the same time, it does, it's having an effect in all, I think arenas in the Baltimore community, mm -hmm. um, in the arts, especially like you're seeing it all over the place yeah. in different ways. So, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting. Like you, you have this kind of, this area where we're recording at right now, we're like in station North and it's the trendy blah, blah, blah. But it's it's always around, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can go one block to the left, one block to the right, and you see things that if if someone was over here and they only spent time like on this strip, they're like, oh wow, it's just nothing but arts and food and culture. You one block over, it's like oh. go on Guilford. If you have yeah. City Watch, Mount Vernon, Guild, all all of this area, because I went to UB Law. <laughs> Popping off, there's always yeah. something going on down the street. And it's so crazy because, not to call them hipsters, but the people that identify as the hipsters, they're like, listen, you know, up the street, it's kind of crazy. They were yeah. one block away. Yeah, yeah. I like the term I like to hear when people go to, like, the mixed-use places. They go to, like, the R House. They'll go to Fat Sonnen or something like that. And I was like, yeah, it's a little sketch around here. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I was like, and, and, and they like that, though, at the same time. Because it, it feels authentic. Yeah. And it feels like, oh, this is part of the zeitgeist the and the city, culture. Yeah. yeah. But then you run into, and no shots, but you run into some uh, some folk who don't recognize that. In my, in, from my vantage point, I think Baltimore drives the culture. No one's coming to Maryland to check out Carroll County. No one wants to see historic Carroll County or like Laurel, see the one post office uh, there. Don't do Laurel. All shots. I was going to say, shots. I came from Boston, Massachusetts to Laurel, okay? So that's, you can't say that. That's fine. And Laurel has Main Street. No, we stop. But no, for real, I, I get you. Baltimore has a, 
a culture that people are coming here for. It's like yeah. the DC on this end, and that's why there's that like Baltimore's outside of DMV because yeah. yeah. So when you have these things from a larger spot, like if we go up to like the the state level, and it's like where's that support at? But it's like solve it yourself, fix it yourself, everything, and. We're driving people here that are going to check these surrounding counties. Like, oh, wow, they have this out there in, in like, Harford County. They have this further down in, like, PG County. Yeah, but they're, people are coming to go to Baltimore. They're coming to a Ravens game. They're coming to an Orioles game. They're coming to an event in here. But it's like you still got to prove yourself to get any of these, like, resources that are sitting there for whether it be the arts community and such. And that's it's, – it's really so funny. Like – where I feel like the state of Maryland, when you go to something as simple as the roads in Baltimore, because I worked at the SHA, mm-hmm. I learned that the government, the Maryland government does not cover any of Baltimore roads that's up to Baltimore. <laughs> it's the highway, the highway that leads to Baltimore, the highway that leads out. <laughs> so literally, I went to the place where it's like, this is the line that it stops. And immediately right after there was a bump, like, you know, what I'm saying so there's potholes. So I think that the responsibility, <laughs> the onus is really on Baltimore half the time, like mm-hmm. the state of Maryland. This has been a city for a long time that had to, you know, it supported itself. The state of Maryland, of course, had great governors that did a lot for Baltimore, like William Donald Schaefer. Like, we had people that built the harbor and gave us opportunities, but at the same time— That's a long time ago now, That's too. a long time ago. And the resources, when it comes to the art, like, there, there's thousands of dollars. When you look at even housing for people, and I always go back to the arts because Baltimore is the arts. Like, yeah. Elijah Cummings, rest his soul, he was big on the arts because that's what brought money to Baltimore. That's what brings an influx of people. People are not wanting to raise their families here and let, let their children go to school here unless they're going to Baltimore School of the Arts. Like, yeah. it's not— it's a place that, that it's on us. Um, yeah. And when those resources are so openly available, it's what communities are they available to? Mm-hmm. Because you can live in Baltimore and be an artist and not know that this is available to you. Go to the school down the street and you don't know that this is a program that can give you X, Y, and Z. And it's like, who are these opportunities really open for and to? And who are they trying to bring into the city? I know people that have housing. I was homeless in Baltimore as a law student. And I know people that were able to get subsidized housing and get, you know, like basically Section 8 coming out of L.A. You have no ties to this place, honestly, but because your portfolio is popping on a very simple level, like the opportunities are here. But the way the city's set up, like you're not giving away housing vouchers, but you're giving away artist housing. Like I can see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I can see it's on purpose that you're making us solve our own problems because eventually the problem will eradicate itself or it'll be bulldozed over and we'll have a new yeah. Service. And then we, we have that short-term memory, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, that? Nah. Because like, think about <laughs> who makes up Baltimore's generations, man. Like, there's so many people that came from the South, North Carolina, things like that, yeah. that started their families here. And over the years, things that they've been bought out of so many things, or Johns Hopkins has done, excuse, no shots, but organizations, <laughs> institutions, the city itself, like, has not done its best yeah. to really protect its constituents. And at the end of the day, people do not, that's why Baltimore's in position now. People do not really have roots in what they're rooted in. It's, it's longstanding issues, and I think that's the, the key thing. And, you know, I it's definitely an age conversation because, like, I always joke about, like, Brandon Scott, you're the same age I am. That literally. and How old are you? 36. Okay. And then you, you'll hear, like, you know, it's a definitely an age-oriented thing. Like, he doesn't know anything. He needs to cut his hair. He needs to do this and that. And it's like, it, it's the tact and the effort there. And it's like, considering that you know, somebody on the news, maybe Murray Babala said something real about like, well, it's been a little corruption there, like pointed corruption. Like there's a certain degree of like, eh, we're, we're going to ignore this. But when you get outed for corruption, it's like you've done other stuff, too. Yeah. And yeah. let's not talk about that. Let's just move to 
Well, it's your fault now because you got the ball. It's like, mm-hmm. that's not how it works. That's how it works here. Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> it's a lot of finger pointing because let's just face it. Um, <clears throat> got to pick my words really wisely here. This is where <laughs> I become political. Out, right? <laughs> yeah, because like I, I don't already name drop something. So I'm like, honestly, when it comes to Baltimore. <laughs> Go pig like, Latin. <laughs> Simpson, Simpson. <laughs> you know, no, but it's going to be a lot of finger points. And everybody here, I don't, I don't, I think everybody has a lot of great intentions, but not everybody's hands are clean. Mm-hmm. Um, people have, you know, different coalitions, different, you know, alliances, different reasons, especially former mayors. The current mayor, you know, there's something to be said because he is this young, but age has nothing to do with, um, you were voted in. So, you know, yeah. if you're voted in, you're doing a job. If I was voted in right now to be president, I couldn't be voted in because I'm not 35. But if I had the opportunity, I know people would focus on me being so young, but it's like, mm-hmm. why, why did we vote in? Why was he, you know, city council president? Like, he, yeah. it's the work that you show. I was 16 in college, 19 in law school. At the end of the day, my age had nothing to do with it is all that I brought to the table. So I think that with the finger pointing now, it's like you see that everybody has something that they could be at fault for, but nobody really wants to pay attention to what matters. Like, yeah, Mary Polly got some corruption going on. Crazy. Let's put it on the headline. Let's flash it. But let's pay attention to what's important. We get so much caught up in what who's doing and Catherine Pugh did this yeah. and this is what's going on with the Rue. And it's like, all right. None of this really matters in Baltimore. It's it, To me, it almost feels like it's a switch. It's like, look right there. Yeah. And then they're doing there in your back pocket. It's and click, clickbait. Like, yeah. what's going on? No. And um, like, yeah, it's, I, I couldn't jam with the Rue, and that's and it's no shots at him. It's just the watching the, what is it, the serial like doc, and I was uh-uh, like, you're okay. on here, sir, bro. Okay, <laughs> so saying this, you know, the Rue gave me some of my first opportunities. Um, yeah. Coming up as a young student that wanted to go to law school, I've worked on the state's attorneys. That's who I was working for. He was a deputy. Um, state's attorney at the time or something like that. He was assistant state's attorney. But at that point, after that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that came out over the years as I was working for Theroux. And for me, knowing him personally, as I can call him a friend now, um, knowing him personally and knowing his ideology when it comes to the city of Baltimore, like, Knowing the person, I'm like, all right, this is crazy. Knowing his his legal background, and yeah. I know he was a prosecutor that also was a defense, started off as a defense attorney. I'm like, well, you know both sides of the story. But Adnan Syed is always something I'm very... I saw that. I saw that actually on the HBO special when they came yeah. to Baltimore. Like, I was in the theater, and I was like, some of my work is in this documentary. I didn't give me no credit. <laughs> HBO, I'm coming for you. No, I'm <laughs> But when I looked at it, I said, wow, the way that this story was painted, I can see why everybody in the world might think he's a horrible person mm-hmm. for gunning after this case, especially with certain things about, like, you know, the evidence and not retesting the evidence and certain decisions that were made. Um, and this is where it's like me being a lawyer now. It's like the legal system, man. Somebody can really be a great person. He could have been a great state's attorney for the city of Baltimore. Could have been a great mayor, honestly. This man, not saying this because I know him, but yeah. just based off of, like, ideologically, he's a Baltimorean. He yeah. came here as a refugee and grew up here. His parents were city, you know, teachers. He went to Woodlawn. Like, yeah. he's Baltimore. He's just yeah. brown. But yeah, yeah. at the same time, he understands the city. He was able to go to Harvard and able to look introspectively at his city, come back, work here at one of the highest levels, and really make friends and alliances with different people. He understands the city from a completely different standpoint that I think that people in the city want to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that comfortability is what's driven the city in the point that we've done things, alliances with names that we know, or her father was something, or this yeah. is somebody. Like, we don't trust 
other people, mm-hmm. but we'll trust people that will do wrong to us in our face, or we'll trust people that haven't shown us anything. That's why and, some people almost got reelected. And yeah. yeah, and I look at the rule, and I'm like, all right, this little video of him doing something crazy, or they say he's doing something crazy. Like all these things I see about him when I saw Adnan say it, I was just like, man, this is not, <laughs> this is not a clear perspective on the other side. If he could come out with a documentary as to his his reasonings, and I think as a lawyer too, the way you follow, follow a case and the way you like follow through with the case mm-hmm. is separate from maybe how you personally feel about certain things. Yeah. It's really your job as a prosecutor. Like if you're going to work for the state's attorney or the deputy attorney general, you got to follow through with certain things. And this was a big case for Baltimore. Like, so. This is the hand that I was dealt. And it's like, I may not agree with this. And, you know, They're from a personal brown, standpoint, bro. yeah. <laughs> like, and, and that's the thing that, that gets lost sometimes. Like, um, you know, I remember just doing like jury duty, you know, the only time I was on like a trial was like two weeks. And I was like, I tried to dress as hood as possible just so I can <laughs> just so I can get, get out of it because it was like a rough one. It was like mesothelioma. Someone had like someone died from cancer and all of that. And it, it was a, a person there that just didn't get it. Didn't get like, yeah, well, I feel like they should get something. I was like, did they prove their case? Though? I was like, that's all we're here for. And that's literally just black and white in my head. I was like, from what we were told. Well, I feel like doesn't doesn't matter. That killed me in school. <laughs> that still to this day, it's it like that's I didn't understand. Understand, uh-huh. crazy enough, graduating and everything. I'm like, when George Floyd occurred, when the situation, not even the situation. I don't even want to, you know, yeah. when the debacle, like it was. It was something that I was like, whoa, so this is why when Freddie Gray, when this happened, this is why cops don't get in trouble. Like, the elements of a crime is the crime. They might be guilty of something, mm-hmm. but are you guilty of a crime? And I think that in that situation in court, people don't really understand, like, you did something, but mm-hmm. at the same time, the way the law is written means that you don't have to be caught up for for a crime, per yeah. se. You might have done an act, but it doesn't constantly. Like, that stuff blows my mind to this day. And it's like you study it, you memorize it, you regurgitate it. And you sit there and experience it in real life, and yeah. that's when you're like, whoa. <laughs> you almost feel like it's like, I, I like watching football, right? It's like, yeah. you guys are referees. Like, what is this? Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> like, what's the catch? Like, what's a crime? <laughs> and that's why they say, like, I get it now. Get a lawyer. At first, I was like, knowing a lawyer's power, like, you know, this person can help you navigate. But it's like, yeah, get a lawyer because the way they manipulate these words, like, I saw somebody walk out of a Walgreens, this is show you Baltimore, run out of, walk out of a Walgreens with a big box of Pampers and gave the middle finger to the security guard standing at the door and the security guard's like, I can't stop him, it's the law, can't stop him. And I said, no, like, shop shopkeepers, you know, yeah. you know, they have a law to shopkeeper's privilege where you can lock somebody in there until the police come. Yeah. She was like, well, store policy in the city of Baltimore is I can't do this because we have cases. And I'm like, dang, it's like it's, you're relitigating something. You're trying to help yourself, but you can't even yeah. help yourself here. So I guess the law is just it's, it's twisted, man. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> everybody knows that. So law and politics, right? Uh, what are the traits you rely on most? Because obviously, well-read, super smart. You're, you're just throwing off things. I'm just like, all right, I know really? about that. I'm take this note here. Thank so, you. so what what skills, what traits do you rely on most in like navigating your mm-hmm. professional life and your you, even your scholastic life? Because you're a recent grad, no? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what skills do you rely on most? What traits? Can I tell you the truth? Spin it. Um, I rely on myself. Like I am <laughs> authentically. <laughs> authentically just like this Mm -hmm. in all arenas I'm in law school I think I'm a very spunky personality so um, just being open being able to speak to anybody like that's something that 
it's brought me from everywhere. That's the, probably the reason I was able to get into law school. Like, just being able to authentically identify, um, that's something that's very important to me because it helps me in my work as a writer. It helps me in my work as a lawyer, a consultant right now, since yeah. I'm not officially, like, attorney attorneying. But, yeah, it, I think that authentically being myself and identifying with individuals and being able to, like, just deep everything that surrounds me is something that, um, yeah, that's something that's carried me through. That's all of it. I've answered a interview question for a job in that same way. It's like, yeah, so what makes you so great? It's like me. Yeah. And I said it was smug on my face. It's like, Period. Huh. Yeah. And that's something to be said because who are you? That's the second question. I'm, I'm like, so who are you? Like, why do you think you're so special? It takes the interviewer from being huh? the hmm to being like, so what are you talking about? How dare you answer me like that, you know? I, I flip it. I flip it. It's like wave, daddy. Like, what it is? And that's energy. <laughs> like, my energy, uh-huh. it transforms. Like, and I think that also... Um, being able to identify, I think it's a natural, I'm a Scorpio, so I think that I take it to, yes, I am Scorpio, Virgo moon, yeah. but um, <laughs> it's like this natural, we're in Libra season, so I can say it, like this flirtatious, yeah. like energy, I naturally just, like it doesn't, it's not flirting, but it's like flirting, like I just talk, everybody I'm talking to is like, I'm so interested in everything you have to say, and mm-hmm. I generally am, like I'm genuinely there with you, so it's like, I think that helps you in the courtroom, it helps you deal with clients. Um, when I was an intern, it helps you deal with people that are in pain, like being able to identify and really just like, hmm, okay, like, yeah. It's, it's, I think that's even in like, to a, it's in different parts of like some reading, like all of the Robert Greene stuff right now. So like laws of attraction, 40 laws of power, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that stuff is in there. And it's almost like a version of like selling. Like if you, if people, people for podcasts, for sake of argument, People like personalities. Yeah. So if you have a personality that people aren't jamming with, it's like, uh. But it's like, oh, I kind of like you. You seem cool. You seem interesting. Boom. There you go. People are going to be interested in whatever you're talking about. The guest is one piece of it, but it's like, I wonder what you're going to say to this guest and how that conversation is going to go. How is that equation going to go? Yeah. Yeah. Personality, um, that's something that all throughout my life I knew I had a lot of, but I didn't know I did. Like, people weren't like, oh, you're so cool or whatever the case is. Like, now it's like, wow, you're pretty dope. And I think it's because I never lost my authentic self. So a, a lot of people, like, answering that question when it comes to scholastics and your job and your life, you would be like, oh, you know, time management and just being very true to self and being interested, deeply vested in these issues. And no, I'm truly being me because me encapsulates all of this. And yeah. me being me is like this certain freedom. Yeah. And having freedom in any environment, in any arena you really want to show up in is power, period. It gets you through the door. Yeah. It gets people to understand you if they don't understand where you're coming from. It just it, it just does stuff for you. So I think that that's why I answered it like that. But very true. It goes to the perspective, too. Like, you know, if you're being you and you're being your authentic self, then everything else kind of does. Falls in place. Yeah. So I, I remember having this conversation with Devin Allen. And I was just like. Mm, love him. <laughs> and it was like, it actually, he was sitting in the seat. And it was kind of like, you know, like certain things are baked in. Like you being a black person is baked into the shots that you choose to take, the why, why you choose to take it, when you choose to take it, and subject matter and all of that different stuff. And it's not like, let me think about what it looks like. Let me think about what a black person from Baltimore would take a picture of. You're a black person from Baltimore. This is what you want to take a picture of. It's already baked in. You don't have to pass through some test. And I think that that's the thing when you're true to yourself and being yourself and really being in that. Yeah. It's to your point. It falls in place. It speaks for itself. Yeah, I think that a lot of time we get caught up with things being like, especially when you said Devin Allen, things like being a black person is the gravamen of who I am. It's not 
the lens, like there's so many different types of black people, but because I have experiences and I am a black person, this makes me show up in the world in certain ways. However, that doesn't like, like, you know, with art, it's not you picking how you want to show up. So yeah, yeah, that's something I I look at. Aside from your work, what other creative interests or talents do you have? (laughs) Well, my work right now is researching mandatory minimums. So aside from my work, um, well, I'm a spokesperson for my cousin. I'm not going to say my cousin, but for this organization um, that my cousin runs and is pretty dope. It's in Tampa, Florida. It's called Black Owned Business Connect. Um, they help throw a lot of events um, where they bring black people to network together. Um, I'm a brand ambassador for several different organizations, well, fashion lines, um, one of them being Mess in the Bottle. She is huge. Also, um, Picky pussies, excuse my language, if I can say that on the line. But it's about, like, you know, being it's a, your own prerogative, and it's about being strong and making sol- solid opinions. But it's clothing that um, that really speaks to that. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I'm honestly doing everything. Let me not lie to you. I always try to act like I'm not busy, but I'm always super busy. Yeah. Like, I just joined the choir at my church again. <laughs> I just started going back to church, and I'm, I'm very spiritual but not yeah. super religious. So... Activities-wise, I'm just all over the place. Like, I'm on a different, a couple of different, like, community service boards. Like, I'm just really active about being out here, being black and enjoying black experiences. So I dig it. That's... Oh, yeah, the black-ass flea market. That's another <laughs> Excuse my language again. But that's another one. That's what it's called. Um, I volunteered there there recently. So I've just been really into, like, curating or being part of people who are curating black experiences and enjoying, like, things that I wanted to do as a child. So I'm revisiting, like, how to knit and... <laughs> Just random stuff, but those those are my those are my hobbies these days. It's a full plate. I like it. Yeah. Um, now we get into some of the. Uh, <laughs> what's the last movie you've watched? Because I like to get a, re- a well-rounded. Because I'm like, oh, I don't believe in movies. It's like, ew. Honestly, every time you ask me this question, it's like I'm gonna lie. Like the last movie I probably <laughs> watched was like Baby Police, which is a Nigerian movie, and my parents are. West African, so, well, I'm West African as well, but it's like this funny Nigerian movie, but every time somebody asks me a question about a movie, I automatically want to say The Manchurian Candidate. Have you heard about that? Uh, the remake or the original? The, oh. Boom. Boom. You don't talk about language right I'm, now. Because I'm old. Because I'm old. Right? You know what's going on? I say this and be like, what? Who? Huh? I'm like, it has Denzel Washington, Leif Schreiber. They're like, what? Huh? Like Sabretooth and, you know. Yeah, them, Lonzo the, from Training Day. Dumb people, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, that's the movie that always comes to my mind. I'm like, The Manchurian Candy, because it's always on my mind. Yeah. But I watch documentaries damn near every night. So I watch. What's story. one that comes to mind, like a favorite for you? Ooh, immediately what came to my mind was Wild Wild Country. Wild Wild Country is about Bhagavan, Bhagavan something something. It's about the. Damn, I'm missing it. I'm literally mixing it up with um, Tyler Perry's uh, <laughs> Tyler Perry's TV show. But it's basically about a cult in Utah, and they came from India, and they were able to buy out, like, an entire city in Utah, build up, and, like, do all of their cult stuff. And they were such a U.S. sensation, like, in the 70s and the 80s. Yeah. And this man had all this power. And, of course, you know, the feds had to get involved because they built an entire city. They had their water levees and everything. Like, they had stuff. <laughs> I have never—it was so interesting. It was just—it's so crazy because the person who helped to build it was one of the people that helped to bring it down. And just- she's, like— she she's in the documentary. She actually came up with her own documentary. Yeah, but yeah it's super interesting. You gotta watch it. Wild Wild Country. I'll check it out. You got to take a note on that. Wild Wild Country. Yes. I prefer the Wild Wild West, but you know we'll 
Yeah, it's a wild, wild country out here, but... So, I think I got it. You, you, you touched on it earlier, so I'm going to skip this next question. What? Most mocked characteristic. What is it? Uh, you didn't say it. No, what, what is your most mocked? Oh, what, what is the characteristic? Yeah, no, yeah, what would you think? You. Was, you think I'm mocked? Huh? Yeah, you're the most. You're your own most mark, mocked characteristic. Oh, marked. I was yeah. like, you think people mock me? No, 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 no. no people mock, mock me. <laughs> Mark's characteristic: spunkiness. Yeah, I answer was, like that. It's, you can hear it through the mic. You legitimate. Through the mic. It's <laughs> legitimate. It's legitimate. I was told on a, in a job interview that I wasn't bubbly enough. Yes, you are. <laughs> I don't think I'm bubbly. I, I think you're very bubbly. <laughs> now, because I have a, such an ego, I would say, oh, I'm effervescent. Yes! <laughs> refreshing! <laughs> Literally, think it's a seltzer. That's funny. Uh, oh, Rob Topo Chico. Uh, which words or phrases do you overuse? Is that really your name? Um, Rob, Rob uh, Topo Chico. Topo Chico? No, no, no. I was going to say, are you Cameroonian? No. Because, <laughs> okay, that's another question. That's Someone not... told me I was Egyptian, though. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, think it's the beard. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where you're from. Yeah, just, you could be an indigenous, indigenous <laughs> American. You can be anything. <laughs> I'm looking at you. I'm like, honestly, you really could be Central African to me, though. You give me more Central or East. I got to do my admixture test again because I was like, I need to figure this out. How did I plug myself? One new phone. I do that in my spare time, too. I'm a writer. Take fashion content, you know? I, I was waiting. I was going to leave that up I for you. I say, to... whoa, hold up. In my spare time, what I do for fun <laughs> is I create content for my journalistic engine, One Ufoma, and I focus on anything from anything from politics, like history, um, you know, current events, today's social events, all of that. And I take pictures in my African garb because that's 95% of the time I'm wearing African prints. Not today. But, um, <laughs> yeah. But I take pictures because I want to draw people in. They always I model, so I want people mm-hmm. to see. Oh, she looks pretty, and read what I have to say. Actually, that's yeah. that's really how I draw people in. So that's what I do in my free time is one ufoma. But I need to buckle down and create some more stuff. Nope. <laughs> I I'll tell you about this off mic because it's actually kind of funny to me. Oh, you gotta tell me a secret, guys. You gotta tell me a secret. So, so what's what's the word that you're using more often than that you're using too much? What's your what's that word that you're using over over and over? I had a conversation today about, I think a lot of, two things I've been saying a lot is let me stop. (laughs) Um, That's something I had a conversation about this morning. I'm like, I got to stop saying, let me stop. Let me stop saying, let me stop. Yeah, because it's like, I joke a lot and I'm like, let me stop. But honestly, there's only, there's 15% truth in all my jokes. So I always say, let me stop just to rear myself back in or just to, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But now that's something that makes me feel comfortable and something I actually want to stop saying. Another word I've been saying as of recently is policy. (laughs) Like, I think I've been trying to stop myself from saying, once I got policy, because I'm so used to saying law and the laws and legislation, it felt so just like archaic. But policy is so refreshing to me. I've been like, yeah, urban policy, community oriented policy, <laughs> policy, policy. Yeah, so that's my word. Public policy. I usually say garbage a lot, and I like to say it just like that instead of garbage. It's Where like, are you from? You from? I'm from Boston. Don't say it like that. I'm from Baltimore. You said garbage. Garbage. Yeah, some garbage. <laughs> no. Garbage. What, what's the other? I I usually say spin it too. Yeah, I like that you say that. It's, it's cute. It's great. I like it. It's, it's, it's nice. It's, it's something I got off of, um, I think, Kevin Smith. He was like, um, he's watching a movie, and he was like, as a kid, he was a you know, fat kid, and he was watching this movie about, um, it's a rom-com, and he said he kept watching it with his mom, because that's the only person that would watch it, and yeah. she had to be annoyed. She's like, oh, fuck it, spin it. I don't care. <laughs> Just put it on. 
Yeah. The, oh, okay. So maybe it's like a like a disco record. What is this thing called? Okay. They're old. Like turntable. Wow. Offensive. <laughs> Offensive. Yeah. Offend. Okay. I'm very no, kidding. I was just kidding. You was the one who said you was 36. I am. What is the um turntable? I want to be a DJ too. That's something I want to get into in my free time. So the fricker fricker records. Records. Yeah. Records. records. Vinyl. Vinyl. <laughs> I was just saying it's something that is hitting. I'm like it's the records. But Millennials. It's, I'm not a millennial. I'm old soul. I really am. No. <laughs> no, I really am. It was just it was a, a fart of the brain. I I have those on occasion. These stickers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I viewed your Instagram and I could see that fashion obviously is important to you. Touched on that actually. Is it true? Uh, and is that true? And could you share some of your fashion influences or local brands? No. All right, fair enough. Moving no. on. <laughs> and you mentioned messing the bottle. Also, shout out to Kalila. Yeah, she's a dope, you know, black woman doing the damn thing. Um, fashion is important to me. Fashion is very important to me. My dad used to grow up in school. He always used to say, uh, "It's a, you're going to school, you're not going to a fashion show. Like, I'm very big on personal expression, and mm. I've always been about wearing what I want. Mm -hmm. I'm very, like, not even the feminist way. It's just, like, I like to just wear what speaks to me. Um, so what was the second part of that question? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Where do I shop? Crazily enough, and because that's basically what you're asking, my favorite brands, but I get a lot of my stuff custom made. Mm -hmm. So I go to a fabric store or people bring things from Africa for mm -hmm. me. Yeah, and it's $25. I'm plugged this. $25 for six yards, Eleganza Fabrics in Laurel. In Laurel, why people want to go to Laurel in Laurel, Maryland. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, and this amazing lady, um, she runs a business called So So Sassy. Mm -hmm. Her name is Lena Dennis, and she makes all of my clothes custom so it can fit me in all the right places because I'm a big girl. But outside of that, I, I have lots of places that I like to go, like Nubian Human for self-care because yeah. that goes into, like, my hair and my yeah. skin and why I show up so nice in these pictures. But fashion-wise, um, Mess in the Bottle is what I wear. Picky. Picky Pussy is what I wear. Um, I like... I just like buying stuff from, like, different black vendors. Like, mm -hmm. I'm into different things. Like, I haven't thrifted in a while, but I'm just into wearing whatever I want to wear. So I don't really shop shop. Yeah. I don't go to, like, ASOS and Forever 21 very often. But that's where I'm at. I'm just usually in Carhartt or Polo. Okay. In local brands, like local streetwear brands. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm all about the local, like, buy next door. Shout out to Currency. Shout out to Carpet and all of that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so... Now I'm down to my last question. See, we don't. E I don't even have like I, I was gonna put in there the rapid fire questions. I don't. I don't have those. Come on, man! Throw something at me. I, this. I was nervous. I'm I'll, not even I'll throw nervous. you. I'll throw you some rapid fire questions. In something the that makes me shake. So I read that your name means peace of mind and total well being. How do you decompress and combat stress? That's a very interesting question. Um. I actually had a very rough last two days, so this is interesting. I think that I'm so used to powering through everything. Um, and as of recently, combating stress is literally letting myself feel. Mm. Yes, I am peace of mind, and I'm the carrier of that. I am. That's who I am. So to be totally well, you can't always be fine. I think sometimes just allowing yourself to feel. If you feel stress, you want to cry, you don't really even understand the reasons behind it. Like, I just feel like mm -hmm. everything so I've, as of recently being that I'm a water sign in Scorpio there's been a lot of feeling in the season but um, it helps me like be able to just go through what I'm going through and understand things from the perspective I need to understand them from and just move on so stress I don't really feel stressed 
I feel like I have a lot of situations. I'm very, I function very well in high stress situations. Um, and I think that's why the law school never really phased me until I was like, okay, you're homeless. Like you have, you're going through life. So stress is something that I just get over by like, okay, I'm here. And I'll like chill out, stay to myself, read a book, talk to somebody like today. This is how I power through my stress. It's just like more energy. Like I'm here, like feeling grateful, you know? Things like that. All right. I like it. I've got to write down one last question. Oh, he's writing down a question. So write down a new question. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. All right. So, yeah, that's that's great. We're going to have him edit that out (laughs) to make me sound like I'm more polished. I mean, I like that it was raw like that, though. Well, it's it's always raw. Raw dog in it. (laughs) You can edit that. I remember remember when I was filming something um, for a TV series or what have you, and one of it was background work and one of the other uh, background actors it's like man I'm not going out to Florida people down here raw dog in the air I was like okay that's the funniest thing I've heard today. it is it's really funny <laughs> that's the truth too they are so <laughs> rapid rapid fire now the way the way this is done is you can give context or you can omit context if you want to add extra context to why you may answer a question a certain way feel free but you don't have to necessarily do that oh I naturally do that, so okay, I'm just gonna do my best. Okay. <laughs> Favorite food. <laughs> Why is it so hard? You, oh you, my you buckled right there for a second. Yeah, I'm like, I wanted something like crazy, <laughs> like crazy. Um, favorite food. Shoot, I always used to lie and say ice cream. Right now, probably I love rice. I love African food. African food. I cook a lot of African food. I okay. cater African. Oh, that's another thing I do in my free time. I told you I'm a busy person. So. African food, uh, West African food, uh, primarily anything that are greens. So like rice and cassava leaves, rice and spinach, rice and potato leaves. Um, my favorite. Oh, American wise. I mean, I love like steak. <laughs> <laughs> I love steak, like specifically steak with macaroni and cheese, mashed potatoes, and maybe some type of asparagus or something. That's like, like the blackest plate I've it heard has of. To be, it's specific. if I go to Capitol Grill, I have to get all of these. Um, but yeah, I mean, food. It's waiting for you to say yams in there too. It's like, come on. Man. Oh no! See, if I'm getting yams, I have to get yams, macaroni and cheese, and like rotisserie chicken from Nick's. You ever been to Nick's in South Park and picked no. out? Huh. Now you gotta go to Nick's and pick out. You gotta bring those two together. That's when the uh, black excellence happens too. Oh, the greens and the, I, the macaroni and cheese and the yams. <laughs> what you doing after this? Like, let's go get some food. Giving away secrets. Oh, Stay and secrets. I love a good bimbap bowl. Bimbap. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm, I like. I eat those like. And I love Afghan food. I'm very fickle. So I have, like, set meals. It's either going to be, like, steak, it's going to be bimbap, or it's going to be Afghan salad and rice Mm -hmm. and chicken, or it's going to be African food. So those are my favorite foods. I'm eating out of a box every day. I I get the uh, meal kits. The what? Uh, The meal kits, like the uh, the... bodybuilder meal kits. Yeah, Uh Trying to put on muscle. I mean, it's working. Well, thank you. You're a big guy. Yeah, well, just got to get it in order, you know. I'm not eating right now. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I got to figure out what the hell I'm having dinner. I I eat like one meal a day, and it's usually at 10 o'clock. So um, I'm a big girl for no reason. It's crazy. Wine or beer? I was going to say beer. No, honestly... I do like wine. I love a, like, you know, I'm a Riesling Moscato. I'm, okay. don't, don't call me on the Cabernet, but I'm more like a, but beer is actually good. You, if you get good beer, yes. Not even just good beer. My parents grew up on the Guinness and the Stout and all that oh, type of stuff good. and the Heineken. I grew, I didn't know that imported beer was that that great. Um, it's horrible to me. I like <laughs> Modelo. Like, Modelo's Modelo's pretty. Yeah. 
great taste. Um, I love trying like these new lagers and stuff. Like you've been a brass tap where you go to the distillery or whatever. Yeah. Like I like. I like beer. I like the fact that people don't like ladies drinking beer. It's like a lady drink. So it's like, you know, the rebel in me is like, of course, I'm a good stout. I, I went to friggin' um, Guilford last week. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was getting loose. <sighs> getting turned. Oh, you know what I like, though? What's it called? Mead? 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 The uh, Mead. fermented honey, like the alcohol honey? Yeah. Yes. And I thought, wait, that's not beer? It's, uh, it's a it's type a of beerish, honey. It's a beerish honey. Yeah. It's like they make it the same process they make beer but it's honey that they're fermenting so yeah I like that that's like a cross between wine and beer for me Knights used to drink it I am a knight yeah I'm a city knight because I went to city college oh I'm not gang, well, gang, my gang. ex-boyfriend went to um, city you know that's cool Bali all day oh no I did not grow up in Baltimore yeah so I was about to say like, like don't don't play those games like they, it's wrong colors out here in these streets <laughs> even though they were sort of the same colors you know as Morgan Abercrombie and Fitch went to city no. no, Abercrombie, Abercrombie, one of the Abercrombie or Fish went to City. Yes, they should be friggin' like they should be sponsoring the football team and all things. Like y'all should get free colognes for freshman orientation. <laughs> Just everyone comes out smelling really great. Yeah, you smell great at City. That's look. That's that's a. Ah! They didn't. They didn't hire Don't you. They that. didn't hire me. Um, this is a chicken question. Chicken. Flats or drums. Of course, a flat <gasps> baby. What? Yes, and because you, you know, are I'm gonna tell, tell you because it's because flats. Look, I get, I get excited. You see the look on my face? Yeah, because I'm like, you, but you like drums? Always. Okay, so we could share chicken then. We All right, could fair eat enough. off the same plate, and you just take what you take. Spin it. It's, drums are too meaty, and it's not bad that they're too meaty. But I like the fact that with a flat, I can like stick it in my mouth, pull it out. I feel like I, it's like somebody knows how to crack crabs. Like <laughs> I know how to pull that thing out, and no meat is on that bone, and I spun it in my mouth. It's like a, it's like a process, and I like the fact that it's lean. I like the fact that it has a lot more skin. <laughs> I like the crunchy parts of a drum, but the flats call my name, and they're just daintier. They're just it just hits like you could stick it. You by the time you pull it out, you got three bones coming out of your mouth. You can flip. It. Yeah, I, I don't know. When I was, when I was a kid, my my first uh, the first food that my mom gave me was a, a chicken. Uh, I think it was a chicken leg, and I hate chicken legs. But oh, as an yeah. adult, what? And she in in the here's the kicker. The only thing that I got from that because I don't like chicken legs. I, I kind of just got into liking wings. I'm a breast guy, and people give me shit about it. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a breast sir. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, what is it? I would She would pour hot sauce on it because uh, she was like, you know what? You need to eat less because I was a big kid. Yeah. And um, would put on my thumb because I wouldn't stop sucking my thumb. Now I just love hot sauce. I hate hot sauce. Hot sauce is great. I eat pepper. Like, I think that I've always had this thing against hot sauce just because it's like the African in me living in Afri in America, but living in African experience sometimes. I'm like, this is not real pepper. Like, this is mixed with lime and all this stuff. Like, I need like, grounded down habaneros and that's yeah. basically what I learned that certain types of hot sauce, oh my god, tastes like African peppers that I yeah. like. It has a smoky aftertaste, all this. But what I was, when I originally tasted hot sauce, it was just so acidic and I was like, ugh. See, I, I I like the acid. Like I like vinegar. Um, oh yeah, that's what turned me yeah. off of it. But I like the hot sauces that focus on like the Scotch bonnets and the mm -hmm. habaneros, and they like ground. Them, that's like, too much for me. Oh yeah, you don't like pepper. Nah. Mm. Eat shot. Yeah. I do my chicken box. I just pour a bunch of that uh, oh, yes. Louisiana hot sauce on there. Uh, Crystals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, see? Okay, see, when I moved to New Orleans, they need to sponsor me. They need to just give me like a top, like the bottle top. You look like you be on a hot sauce bottle. Yeah, I'm a hot sauce guy. You you could be the bottle. The, the head would be your face. Oh shit! Like I can see. Like, it's a weird Aunt Jemima's thing. 
Yes. But it would be cool because you're you're the person who's branding it, not like sure. the Milling Stone Company, whoever they that's are. That's a terrible name, by the way, now. I've seen people like cover it with this says it's Antimamas. <laughs> and it pisses me off. I'm like, can we just stop act- everything is so PC these days? I'm like, stop faking it. We have certain roots that are gonna be rooted. This is Amer- we live on American soil. Is this America? Is this our soil? No. Exactly. So let's just let Aunt Jemima be Aunt Jemima and recognize that that I, stuff was racist when it was racist. I'd rather not even have the name on the box with the color and just what it is. I like her picture. <laughs> Have a real person on there. I like having her because it, it's it's like Mrs. Buttersworth. Like yes, it's rooted. We know. I think yeah. Don't call it Aunt Jemima's. Yeah, just. But even Jemima, but maybe Jemima. The, the name Jemima was. Like, let's just let's just just chill. Like yeah. let's not even eat pancakes no more. It's fine. I like pancakes. I like waffles uh, anyways. Uh, where do you party in Baltimore? If you were to go out there and party, where do you spend your time at? I was gonna say where do I park? I was saying listen in a garage. Um, <laughs> well. Well, um, party, <coughs> I go out pretty often. Partying is everything, so it includes drinking. I am like a bar aficionado. I have a gimme list, and it has all the spots where to eat, where to drink. I might share this with you. But um, nine times out of ten, you can find me down Fells. You can find me in Harbor East, Canton. If I'm dancing, I'm definitely like tonight. Tonight, <laughs> tonight $15. Tonight, tonight. At the residence in um at the residence inn on Wolf Street, yeah. um, on the it's called the 16 on Park or Park on the 16th or whatever. It's the top floor, and it's like good time. I dance, I dance a lot. So there's that, and then I go to Sangria on Charles Street. You know, I, I don't really party in Baltimore. I go to D.C. I'm a but mm. I've been learning how to enjoy myself in Baltimore, and just like I'm getting older. I'm 25 now, but <laughs> in and I graduated 16 and 19, so honestly, I'm like 32. Like, okay, I'm like really like 28. The people that I hang around with Fair. are from 28 to like 33. So the way I feel is like, oh, yeah, I just want to get a nice drink after a long day. Like, mm-hmm. I might not even work that day, re- work remotely, but I'm like, I just need to drink. I don't want to do all this dancing and going out and getting dressed and showing my face for boys. Like, so, yeah, I enjoy myself at bars <laughs> nine times out of ten. So last question I have in this rapid fire situation. This will be the last question for the podcast. Yeah. I was loving it here. What is your favorite thing about Baltimore? This is a Baltimore podcast. You know, we have to be real about it, but also it has to be a reason why we're all here. Like, there have been opportunities for myself to, hey, Rob, come over here. We're relocate. And I'm like, nah, if you got crab cakes, you got some type of gun violence. No? <laughs> all right, I'm going to still be <laughs> I like the gun violence. That's terrible. That's terrible, but also it's gallows like- humor. Baltimore, the one thing I see, I can't be regular. I can't just answer regularly. It's like, I love Baltimore's rawness. I love the fact that it's the bad kid that gets in trouble at school, but the principal loves. Like, that's the way I see Baltimore. It's like, you're loved. You're so loved. It's just that you're in the wrong place. I love just the... I love the squeegee boys. I love the struggle. Like, I love to see it. The other mm-hmm. places is hidden and it's so pretty, but here it's block by block. So I just love the... It's such a multifaceted city. It's such a city that you can grow so much. I literally had my start starting at 16, coming here alone. Um, and it's like I've been able to do everything and above and beyond what I thought I could accomplish. And Baltimore was really my stepping stone, if not for Baltimore. Like, it's just crazy. Like, I just love how it's the dichotomy of Baltimore. I think that's what I love the most about it. And I know that sounds crazy, but that encapsulates everything. Like, the fun, the harbor, and the, the, the struggle, like— Honestly, I don't know. I just love this, the grit. Yeah. Baltimore got grit. Like, was that UMBC? Like, yeah. Baltimore does have grit. It's raw here. And I love that the energy here is authentic. The people are raw. It's just, 
It's the vibe. Like, yeah. there's nothing like... I went to New York and came back from New York. There's nothing like Baltimore, I promise you. Like, and I want to leave sometimes um, just to, just to like, you know, I've been here since I was... It's been 10 years next, like, year. Yeah. But I'm like, damn, I can't leave Baltimore, man. It's one of those things, like, uh, I would say it's like... I almost want to be... Because I'm an advocate for the city, right? I almost want to be on this wave of, like, yes, yeah, everything you heard and much, much more. Yes. Because you, you, you want to be real about it. It's like, well, you guys got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, have you, yo, have you had crab legs? I haven't watched The Wire, and this is why I won't watch it, because I just don't want to see Baltimore through the lens of what everybody else sees it as, what they say it is. Mm-hmm. I come here as a 16-year-old, like, wide eye, bushy tail, like, can I go to Mondawmin Mall? Oh, well, this is not the Columbia Mall. Well, I mean, you know, I, I learn things through, like, my own eyes, and I'm like, yo, this place is everything You've heard of and much, much more. But what have you heard? So now I'd like to um, offer up the opportunity in the last few minutes here for you to shamelessly plug, plug away all of your thousands of things that you're doing. (laughs) Social media and all of that would be as simple as possible. But feel free. The floor is yours. Well, currently, um, I am seeking. (laughs) That's mainly the basic thing that I would like to plug. No, um, I'm seeking opportunity to become a correspondent. I really, really, really. I'm trusting my life. I'm trusting myself getting out here. I'm just graduating from law school, being very, very active in public service and being active in community work. I really would just like the opportunity to talk about policy in a communications way. Yeah, policy. I want to be in a, a communications person. Like, I want to be out here, press and correspondence. And I just, I'm looking for any opportunity. Like, something like this was such a great thing. You come in, like, this is great opportunity. So, I'm looking for more opportunities like this. And also, shamelessly plugging all the businesses that I plugged earlier. Like, of course, Picky. Of course, Nubian Human. Of course, Black-Owned Business Connect. Of course, the whole Black-Ass Enterprise. Of course, uh, Soul in the City. Sola. The Sola System. That's, like, that's a girl to watch out for. <laughs> plugging One Ufoma, My Journalistic Engine. Plugging The Initiative. <laughs> the initiative. That's also something that I do. I don't want. I didn't want to plug that here, but I help families that um that are in dire straits. So I raise money and I resource broker for them families. And right now I'm sponsoring a family in Nigeria in Delta State, Nigeria, um, but also families in Baltimore, um, and throughout Maryland and America. So at this point, I would like to plug that. You could definitely, you know, um, drop a donation. Visit me on my Instagram at Fashion Frenzy Foma. At Fashion Frenzy F O M A. That's the only Instagram I have. And honestly, I just want to plug myself. I am one Ufoma, and I am just great. So get to know me. I think you can get to know me from this. From from this though. Thank you. Thank you. So for Ufoma Oregon, I am Rob Lee, saying that there is art and talent. Talent, all of the talent. You got all the talent in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it. Mm-hmm.